Rise up. Welcome to Rise Up Radar, where we keep the Falcons on your radar. Thank you for joining me, Stan Parker, for another episode. Let's have a ball and show. Joining us with another episode of Rise Up Radar, Mr. Todd Brooks. Todd, how you feeling tonight, man? Man, it's been like Christmas this week. You know, um, Falcons finally fired Dan Quinn, fired Thomas Dimitrov, who I thought was the bigger firing. And then Braves, you know, looks like they might go 2-0 and right now. Seven yeah. to three game, top of the ninth inning as we're recording this. So, um, man, it, it's been an awesome week. The only thing that can make it better is if the Georgia Bulldogs can knock off the Alabama Crimson Tide this weekend. It would be – Go dogs and uh, dogs on top. It would be a spectacular uh, week to be uh, an Atlanta fan. And, uh, you know, we we need one of those. We need a win. But uh, going into the firing of Dan Quinn, it came um, right after the Carolina uh, game. It was uh, Carolina and – uh, Atlanta played again, division rivals like we talked about in our last episode. But that game, it it was close, but it never felt like the, the Falcons were were ever really in grasp. I know, like, mathematically they were, and they were driving down the end. But I don't know, just in my spirit, I just felt like, man, it was, it was something intangible about that game. I don't know what how you were thinking and, and looking at that game, so – yeah, I mean, to be honest, I only watched the fourth quarter of it. I had other things to do on uh, Sunday that occupied my time, so I only really watched Dang. one quarter of it anyway. All but, right. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, that when Mike Smith got canned, he got beat by the Panthers as well. Yeah, that was the 35-3 to loss at the end of the 2014 season. Yep, yeah, yep. that's how he went off, the loss to the Panthers. That is insane. Okay, so we're going to run through just kind of the notes of the game. It might be quick, but it might not. Um, I took uh, some pretty solid notes because I never can remember things, and I get on here and I'm like, uh, my brain did. I got a lot of stuff going on with my life. So um, I took some – these are my – this is my just first half observations. Um, Todd Gurley had – and explosive. I literally, that's my first page of my, like, number one bullet on, on the first half is Todd Gurley had an explosive play. So he ran the ball well uh, into the game over 100 yards from, uh, rushing. And um, he moved uh, top of the leaderboards in the NFL total um, with that game. But that was really all, I don't know. He's, he never got the ball in a passing game enough in my eyes still, and he still didn't look explosive. So all my notes have been, I don't know, or were positive, and then they would be negative. But Tiger Early looked better. And, I, I mean, someone told me this too, that he looked like he was the best player for the Falcons, minus probably Calvin Ridley. He finally got going at the end. But he looked like the best player on the Falcons team offensively. And that is saying – that is bad news when you have a – dinged up, older looking, you know, Ty Gurley being your best offensive weapon. So, um, and another kind of note too, that the Falcons were getting some lucky breaks. Uh, Matt Ryan had a strip sack that could have easily been a scoop and score. Could have been 14, seven points right there. Uh, 
had a ball, hit a receiver or hit a defender in the hands, dropped. So like some like miscues there that that could have went the other way and saved, you know, 14 points. So uh, early on, look looked like it was, you know, on our side, but the drops ensued and um, Calvin really had a couple of drops. Russell Gage had a couple drops and some key downs. So um, those are just like my first like, and Matt Ryan just never really looked comfortable. This might like my assessment of the first half is Matt Ryan looks more looks more uncomfortable this year than I think I've ever seen him seen him look. I don't, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I don't. I, no, I agree with that. Just watching the fourth quarter of that game, you know, he um, he's just he's really fallen off the last couple of weeks. Like his game last week against Green Bay really wasn't very good either. And then he struggled against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. And this was after he got the most support that he's probably gotten from the running game. 166 yards for Atlanta. But Matt Ryan couldn't cash in. Calvin, you know, Julio set out the game. But Calvin Ridley, he, he was on his game for the most part. You know, he did have those couple of drops. But I don't, I don't know. Matt Ryan's head just doesn't look like it's in the game right now. So here's a couple. This is a crazy stat. Um not only does remember we talked about earlier that uh, previous episodes that he just didn't look he just looked off he just didn't he looked hurt the ball didn't have velocity check this out 27 consecutive drives without a touchdown for Matt Ryan that's yeah. we're talking about I mean he's setting franchise records for 300 yard games with the touchdown I mean years of that not just like four or five like we're years of that consistency and it's just falling off and bad decisions you know not on the same page whatever you call it but you can't throw it to the other team so um bad offense during the two-minute warning um it, it was a quick i think it was just just bad management of time and, and play calling brian hill had a couple explosive runs um there like at the end there uh Ridley still was not uh, – in the first half, he was still held uh, held in check, and Isaiah Oliver does not look – this is literally – I'm reading my notes. Isaiah Oliver doesn't look like an NFL-caliber corner. I've, Isaiah Oliver was burnt so bad on a drag route. He was never within five five yards. I mean, it was like – this is like peewee football. You know, mm-hmm. you have your giant drag crossing route, and Isaiah just cannot catch up to him, and it's like 84 yards to a touchdown. And I think me and you sat on these airwaves last week and predicted that exact thing, an 84-yard gimme points. I mean, just no safety over top, or I think he did have a safety over top, but a bad angle or something weird happened, and it was uh, just a house call for some cheap points. And so – um the defense still stinks, and the um, the Panthers score on a yet another running back outlet pass with no one around him for five yards. So those are all my first half notes. Uh, I'm not going to expound on all of them because the game was not worth being expounded upon. Um, it was a sad state of affairs. I usually go back and watch them. This year, I'll be honest with you, I haven't done a whole lot of rewatching this year. I don't know about you. So. I mean, I haven't. There is, you know, there are some fun games to watch, but, you know, they're all losses ultimately. So it's just really hard to watch the losses over again. I mean, nobody wants to go and 
torture themselves by watching yet another round of the Dallas Cowboys versus Atlanta Falcons or another round of the Chicago Bears versus the Atlanta Falcons. Both of those were good games, but yeah. ultimately the Falcons lost. It's just like you don't want to go back and watch the Super Bowl against no. the, the New England Patriots. Like, you, you really don't. It's just like you go back and you're like, man, you just think about what could have been and what in reality what it's not. So but, yeah, there's no sense of torturing yourself, yeah. And so, like, all right, second half notes, and we, you know, uh, Calvary gets it going late in the third quarter. Gurley actually shows up again. This is where Gurley's picking up steam. They had a couple plays to him, like four or five plays in a row that was really building momentum, really getting his, getting his rhythm. I think that's uh, kind of later in his career that's kind of helping him, you know, because he was really explosive in early in his career, even in Georgia, that he would make house calls or he would – it would take long. It would take him a couple touches, and he would get an explosive play. But uh, now I think a little bit toward the end of his career, it takes him, I think, I don't know if it's, you know, whatever it is, but he seems to be more of a rhythm guy now, which stage of his career, I guess. I don't know. And then dumb play calling. I've got this wrote down. After a personal foul on Jake Matthews on second and 21, they ran a draw play to Edo Smith. It's so it's second and 21, and they run a draw play to Edo Smith and uh, got three yards. So, yeah. uh, it's just running up, you know, taking your lightest running back you have, your third running back, Edo Smith, and running between the tackles. I mean, every – I don't know about every, but a lot of Todd Gurley scoring plays have been bounces, bounces outside. And that's just – that's an indictment of play – I know I've said it before, but that's an indictment of play calling for Dirk Cutter is, is not knowing the strength. I mean, he wants to go outside. He sees the ability – and he still has the ability to get to the – to the edge and 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 make plays happen but uh matt misses a throw to hayden Hurst uh for a touchdown and on the next play he was so scared he totally missed Hurst wide open in the end zone and then they settle for a field goal so um yeah it's it gets worse from here basically teddy two gloves all right here we go teddy two gloves has only gone over 300 yards eight times in his career and he did it against the Falcons. That's what you need mm-hmm. to know. Um, B-line got manhandled today. It hurt in the previous game. And uh, Matt Ryan had a bad day in the office. So, um, mm-hmm. they had a long drive at the end. Marched it down to go tie the game and throw the pick with nine minutes left. And that's pretty much your ball game right there. And Carolina just owned the time of possession in the game. They were pretty masterful in the way that they maneuvered themselves or you know down the field. They ended up having the ball for 33 minutes. Falcons only ended up with it for 26 minutes. I mean, it's what are you so, gonna do with that? So okay, and then so Dirk Cutter is kind of trying to build his. I know it's kind of a it's a lost season, but Dirk Cutter here lately in the last two games has tried to play possession he's you know he understands that his defense is not very good and that he's trying you know the a 20 yard 20 play drive and this that and the other thing of you know just um of trying to possess the ball and trying to these 10 plays these 15 play drives you know 15 but like you know 10 play drives take off 10 minutes of the clock he's trying to build those up but when you're settling for field goals that's really not fun football so no um and that's not winning football and i like something you know i think we're kind of jumping ahead too but there was something good in that um that that press conference with uh arthur blank that he said that the falcons are are a 500 franchise 
And so uh, with that win, Dan Quinn goes over, I think, 500 overall. Uh, that was – I mean, he was uh, – I think he's like five games over 500 overall. So so after the game, everybody's mad. Matt Ryan throws a game-losing pick and um, just a bad day altogether. Everybody's got a sour taste in their mouth, and it's just bad. And it's not even an hour after the game that everybody uh, – Jeff Schultz – uh, from the athletic starts reporting that hey they're in the works of firing Dan Quinn and at first it was only Dan Quinn and uh, all of our texts all our fingers started going started texting each other and I uh, you called it I mean from the rip uh, Todd that if 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 Quinn goes he's not the only one at fault here no 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 Dimitrov is probably more at fault because he's the general manager. And so I don't think it matters what kind of, and I know that Dan Quinn had a lot of input as far as what players to draft, but when you're the general manager and you continue to make bad pick after bad pick after bad pick, it's on you, brother. It's on you. Yeah. And so, um, all right. So in your estimation, and I, I'm just going to spring this on you, but in your estimation, what are the, the major um, what are the key – what are the major reasons why Dan Quinn got fired? What do you think got him the most in the quickest or whatever? What do you think the overall arching theme was? I think tactical decisions had a lot to do with it. I also think that um, – yeah, just an example. I think the onside kick against Dallas, that didn't help matters at all. That just made it 20 times worse. Um, I think the way he used the clock a lot of the time, I think that got him canned. Uh, I think just – okay, so here's the, the major thing. Dan Quinn is well-known. He had a lot of input on the draft. But we just kept on going for corners and safeties. And we just kind of let the rest of the defense go for the most part in the draft. I, I, that's kind of, I think, the biggest thing. That's on Dimitrov, too, but I think Quinn had a lot of input on that. So I, I I agree with you that, and then um, for me, what got him the most canned was tactically, um, and lead just plain old being the caliber of coach that you need to be a leader on the field of knowing, not knowing the rules, but you know knowing best practice and not reinventing the wheel. Uh, there's, you know, obviously clock management issues. I mean, his record or his um, his two-minute drills are horrible, both sides of the ball. Um, and so, like, you know, they gave up the most points before half, most points at the end of the game. Just not having people, like you said, onside kick. Just uh, there's a lot of nagging things. And there for the stretch of – you know, two, three years, that was really undisciplined football of, of penalties, of like pre-snap stuff that could be avoided and, and, and things of that nature. So, I mean, that just all goes down to, you know, being ready and being, being, uh, being well coached. And so right. I think Dan Quinn is a good – I like Dan Quinn as a person. He was, he was good um, as a person, and he did a lot of positive things. And so um, I wish him well and – I, you know, but it was time. It, it was it, it was time, and we'll remember the good times fondly. But um, let's get some new faces in here, and let's let's make it happen. You know what I'm saying? So, 
For real. Because I don't want to be, you know, those guys to be like, oh, and another thing Dan Quinn didn't do. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be – I'm not. I'm, that's not what we're doing here. Uh, we understood it was time to move on. We could just leave it at that. It wasn't – this is not going to be an 30 minutes of let's murder Dan Quinn. And Thomas Dimitrov. We could, we could go through – what do you think Dom, Thomas Dimitrov got canned for? Do you want me to tell you that for real? We, yeah. We've referenced this on the show before. Okay, the ultimate thing – that he was canned for was his inability to draft NFL caliber players. The guy never would draft SEC guys on a regular basis. He just never would. You mean and and that really sticks with me. And and he would all it's not even that. It's it's not even like SEC players necessarily either. He would always let go for these guys in in the other five, the group of five conferences instead of going for guys in the power five. You don't think Coastal Carolina's got some good guys out there? Come on. I'm not saying they don't, but I'm I'm saying that you want the 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 Power Five conferences are typically going to have your better players. There's a reason why they're at Power Five schools and not at the Group of Five schools, I or mean, in one Double A or I, FC, whatever we call the stuff now. I think to uh, just building roster, uh, just roster construction and roster depth and bad contracts he handed out. I mean, let's just face it. Like Devontae Freeman, you remember, you remember uh, that corner? I mean, there's a tons of players he whiffed on in the draft. I mean, we could go, I mean, Peter Kahn's, you know, Rasheed Hageman, that corner that got suspended, Jalen. Uh, dang it. Uh, he got in trouble for like PEDs, got suspended for like six games, and then yeah. gave him another shot, and he got suspended again. I can't remember his name is. Yeah. But you Big know, Beasley, was, Big Beasley's Big definitely Beasley. probably the biggest name out there. Big Beasley. I mean, even you know, uh, Duke Riley. There's a there's a there is a litany. Now he found some diamonds in the rough, but you know, throw enough spaghetti on the wall, you find a down to find something. But um. Yeah, there's a bunch of names that he just flat missed on, and I think that uh, kudos to Arthur for uh, cleaning house. So um, it came down. Obviously, if I mean it's it's everywhere by now, and it's only Tuesday, so crazy media world we live into now. That Dan Quinn and Thomas Mitchell got fired, and the special teams coach has gotten fired. Uh, Kawita Kawika, he got fired uh, today, actually, and so. Um, and they have elevated uh, Raheem Morris to uh, be the um, interim head coach. And Dirk Cutter will still continue to be the offensive coordinator. And they have not made the decision on whether or not Raheem Morris is still going to be the defensive coordinator or if uh, Jeff Ulbrich, the linebackers coach, will take over the defensive play call and roles. And if you remember, we talked about this earlier <laughs> – Sounds like Ulbrich was counting, calling the first two downs and Raheem Morris was count, calling third down. That sounds very dumb to me. And, uh, you know, I don't usually just come out flat say it, but that don't sound uh, best practice. So, uh, No, it's very – I think I've termed that as a very bizarre thing before. It, it just it doesn't add a lot for cohesiveness on the defensive side of the ball either. And like, if obviously the third down thing wasn't working because the Falcons are, you know, pretty much Dick's bottom of the league in third downs on defense too. They're getting up a very high percentage. So um, obviously that plan did not work. And I find it interesting they actually did decide to name Raheem Morris um, as the interim head coach, uh, considering that's the worst part of the team too, the defense. So 
I, I just thought it was an interesting tidbit. Not that there were any good candidates, but I'm just you know, I know he's he's had head coaching experience in the past too with Tampa Bay. It was well, probably a decade ago now. Um, but yeah. Oh, yes. He gives him the best chance of going getting hydraphic. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Let's just go ahead and just finish this out 0-16 and get the number one pick. Yeah. We're going to get a high pick this year. I, I don't see any way the Falcon like, you just look at them and, and you can tell they've mentally checked out of the game anyway. I, I think at this point, you know, they're just kind of like, let's just get this over with. They, they go out there, let's get through the motions, but they don't look like they're competing hard. Yeah, and um, maybe – Raheem Morris gets a, a real shot at being next year's head coach, and I wish him well, and maybe he's the next guy, but I'm with you. I don't think I would – I think that ship has sailed. I think it's a patchwork, you know, head coaching gig – or patchwork coaching staff as it is right now, and I think I would just – even if he – I don't know. Even if they do go 11-0 and in the next – whatever. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if he plays well or if he coaches well and gets everything ready, but I think this this franchise deserves a brand new start. And so, um, how about let's get to this? Arthur Blank got asked point blank, like, "Hey, is is uh, Matt Ryan the still the future of this franchise? He's the future quarterback." And he dodged the question. And he basically said, "You know." That's not for me to decide. That's for the new general manager to decide. And that was, okay, so two sides of that coin is, hey, he's your, he's your guy. He's your franchise quarterback. He's the best in your best, you know, he's having a down year, but he's the best quarterback in, your, in the history of the Falcons. But on the other side, it's like, hey, like we said earlier, you hire people to do their job. You're going to let them do their job. And it's better for him not to micromanage and just let the new general man. Because I think that when you bring a new general manager in, whatever they decide to do, you just need to let them do it. Even if it is sending Matt Ryan out of town, sending packing, you know, he's had a great run in Atlanta, but it may be time to see a fresh face. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Rise Up Radar. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions, if you have any show suggestions, go ahead and drop them in the comment section. And uh, thank you for listening again. And until next time, rise up.